On Change the World with Matt McQuinlet today, we'll be discussing mental health issues. If you or anyone you know needs help, please call. Lifeline on 131114. Beyond Blue on 1300224636. Suicide Callback Service on 1300659467. If you are in immediate danger, call 000. Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Today we are continuing our series on mental health and mental illness. If you missed the last three sessions, I urge you to check out our podcast on our Facebook page, Change the World with Matt McQuinley, M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. While you're there, check out our eight-part series on leadership that we just finished with NeuroChange Master Trainer and Performance Coach Gwen Meyer, as well as our four-part series on policing with 42-year veteran of the Elite Star Group with the SA Police, Derek McManus, and my father, 27-year veteran of the Aurora Police Department in Chicagoland. Today, we will be discussing bipolar disorder which affects about 1% of the world population and approximately 3% of the population in the United States and approximately 568,000 people in Australia. According to a recent study, people with bipolar disorder are 10 to 20 times more likely to commit suicide than the general public. In another recent 20-year study, 30 to 40% were self-harming and 6% committed suicide. There are two kinds of bipolar, type 1 and type 2, which our guests will discuss soon. But bipolar disorder in layman's terms is characterized by periods of mania, abnormally energetic, happy emotions where people tend to make impulsive decisions without regards to consequences, and then they crash and have a huge period of depression. So some of the people suffering from bipolar disorder that you may have heard of are famous actors and actresses, people like Rene Russo, Mel Gibson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Carrie Fisher, Linda Hamilton, Patty Duke, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Kurt Cobain, Mariah Carey, please don't sue me, I can't afford it, Sinead O'Connor, Brian Wilson, Nina Stone, some other musicians, Jimi Hendrix, Frank Sinatra, Sting, Conway West, Britney Spears, Charlie Pride, and Beethoven. Some other great artists with bipolar disorder, Van Gogh and Jackson Pollock. Some of our greatest politicians and leaders, Winston Churchill, John Curtin, PM of Australia, Jesse Jackson Jr., and Patrick J. Kennedy. Business tycoons like Ted Turner and Rene Rivkin. Scientists like Isaac Newton, the father of modern science, creator and discoverer of calculus. Other writers are Ernest Hemingway, Sam Taylor Coolidge, Edgar Allan Poe, Charles Dickens, and many, many more. So our scientists, our politicians, our writers, our artists, our entertainers are affected. But with advances in medicine, education, and tolerance that we have today, we've never been better positioned to help people with this disorder have the quality of life they deserve. Some of the topics we're going to discuss today are dispelling myths about bipolar disorder, what it actually is, how those afflicted are impacted, how family and loved ones are affected, what support is available for those suffering from bipolar disorder, what support is available for family and loved ones of those with bipolar disorder, and what are the potential signs of bipolar disorder that one would pick up which one would think, hey, maybe it's reasonable to seek some professional help or look and see if there's a diagnosis, and also how Australia itself is helping these people out and in what other ways that help can be improved. 
to that end, we have in our studio today Susanna Bluewall, the founder and director of Bipolar Australia, which is the only organization formed by people with bipolar disorder, their carers, and professionals. It represents all 568,000 people in Australia with bipolar disorder, as well as offering support to the loved ones and families and others tangentially affected by bipolar disorder. Her story is an inspirational one. And rather than give you a long-winded introduction, I'd rather have her tell it herself. So, Susanna, thank you for being here. And if, if you could take over, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Matthew. That was just really, really lovely. And it is my pleasure to be here and be able to tell everybody that is listening that Yes, we all know a little bit about bipolar. Many people do know and we talk about it. But we need to know much, much more to make everybody that has bipolar and not only a few to be able to live well. And that is possible. And I tell you that because I had the experience and I went through all those horror symptoms that people may not understand. So my role is to let people know how they can identify if someone is suffering, what they can do, and how to help afterwards. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about myself because you're probably dying to know where my accent comes from. And uh, it's from Spanish. I, I, I was born in Argentina. And at the age of 18, the first symptoms of mood disorder went completely unrecognized. I felt I was very depressed, but the only person that really knew that I was depressed was my mother. And why my mother? Because she was the only one that really could see that I was not the same person for a long time. I was not bringing my friends, I didn't want to go out, I, I was not eating well. But unfortunately, it was not recognized. The problem was, or came to my parents, when I told them that I was not capable of continuing my tertiary studies. They couldn't understand. Why? Because I had a brilliant primary and secondary school. Well, I can tell you why I was telling that to my parents not that I knew, I was very depressed. And that's what depression does to you. It tells you that you're not capable of anything. You cannot do things. So my, my mother, very desperate, she took me to a psychologist for a vocational test. Well, the guy did everything he could. He told me that I had an enough IQ, but never recognized that it took me more than a session just to draw a tree. And you know why? Because when a person is depressed, cannot make decisions. I probably was sitting there thinking, oh, where would I draw? Which part of the, the page? Uh, will they have leaves? What color leaves? Da, 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 da. And I didn't make any decision. So it went all unrecognized. Three years later, I received a scholarship to study in the United States. Oh, that was fantastic. I was top of the world. Except that I didn't know that very gradually I was living through the symptoms of mania. I didn't know that I had any condition really. But I started to sleep only two hours at night. But no one would realize it because my energy was even more than I, I always had. And I was very happy because I could feed the studies, which I was very good at my social life, do theater, swimming, etc., etc. So, but everyone thought, oh, well, that's my norm. So until one day we visited Washington, D.C. for a visit to an international school. This was after you were in university you... in the United States, right? So, so yes. what, what, what age were you when you moved to the United States, 18? I was 20. 20. 20, okay. So you yeah. were about 18 when she recognized some issues, and then 20 when you went to the United States. That's right. And, of course, yeah. your parents must have thought so, you were doing great or they wouldn't have let you go to another, con I mean, another hemisphere. 
absolutely. Yeah. They were, they, but they were so happy that from a person that, that said that couldn't cope through tertiary studies, receiving a scholarship for four years to continue the studies in the States, and then they were very happy for me. So my father noticed that I was also asking for money constantly. And as soon as the money arrived, I was buying everything I liked, I wanted. The way I describe it is this way. I felt like a queen, behaved like a queen, and I spent like a queen. So I felt top of the world. So that particular day when we were staying at the YMCA and I didn't sleep at all because I met with another Argentinian that was traveling around and we talk and talk and talk, of course. And I didn't have one second of sleep. So the next morning was a visit to the school and I told my lecturer, I said, look, I didn't sleep. I'm not feeling well. I don't know if I could go and at the school. And she said, well, that's exactly what we came for. You won't have the material to do your assignment. Why don't you go and have a shower? We wait for you and we'll go together. Okay. So I went to the shower and while I was having that shower, it was something very, very different came to my mind. It was not an image. It was not a voice. It was something that it was telling me that I have to tell the world to live in peace. And I thought, wow, what a better place to be to pass on that message. I'm only two blocks from the White House, which that was true, by the way. Mm-hmm. And after visiting the school, I'll go and see the president so he can pass my message to everybody. So lucky I told the teachers in, during morning tea because they didn't think that that was such a great idea. To the point that I even, the media, in my opinion, was all waiting for me. I called my boyfriend at at the university and I told him, turn the TV on in the afternoon, I'll be talking to the president. I cannot even imagine his face. Anyway. Who was the president at the time? I think it was Carter. Carter? Carter? Okay. Okay. I think so. 1980, do Google. Okay. So my teacher must have thought, oh, she told me she was not feeling well this morning. Now I can tell why. So I ended up in an emergency room of a hospital. I was very cooperative because I, I still thought that in the afternoon I have plenty of time to do my visit. So, well, they actually gave me something to sleep that I have no idea for how long I did, but that was the sleep I needed for a long, long time. But it didn't help much for the doctor to give me a diagnosis, just on the spot kind of thing. And they said that I had schizophrenia and gave me the medication for schizophrenia. Well, imagine that I don't, I don't think that it helped in March. Uh, I started to have hallucinations. I started to hear voices. So my parents were destroyed and they said, we want her back home. Okay. But I had to go with someone. They couldn't just put me on a plane and they couldn't trust me. So uh, my boyfriend came with me and took me to my place and, and I introduced himself to my parents, etc. In my imagination, I was still getting married to him, by the way. I put a, um, a wedding dress uh, uh, on, how do you call it when you start paying? Um, lay, lay away or lay by. Yeah, lay away yeah, or lay by. Yeah. That's it. Well, with that, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break because uh, we got to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back in a few moments. An important announcement: the Radio Italia Uno Gala Ball, set down for Saturday evening, the twenty eighth of August, at the Marquet Club, has been postponed due to COVID restrictions. But despite the difficulties, our community radio station is determined the event will go ahead once we lock in another date. 
And when we do, you will be the first to know. Our Gala Ball is one of the station's major fundraising events. We thank you for your ongoing support. Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. When you enter Chiera and Sons Fresh Market and Joanna's Kitchen, it feels just like home. This four-decade young, iconic South Australian business is situated in the Hollywood Plaza, Salisbury. For fresh fruit and veggies, see Tony and Frank and their wonderful staff, offering the finest produce and fine foods. And specials last all year, like the Millel Pecorono cheese, just $15.99 per kilo when you buy the entire wheel. Support a family-owned business. Drop in to their Hollywood Plaza store or call 828-33-155. That's 828-33-15. Welcome to the family. Join me, Ron Fiedler and Karen Fiedler each Saturday morning from 9 to 10am for Talking Real Estate, your guide to real estate in Adelaide and South Australia. We'll bring you the latest local real estate news, interviews, tips and advice from property experts, plus report on the Italian property market and let you know about the week's open homes and upcoming auctions. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my open home of the week. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, Talking Real Estate, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10am. Be in the know with Adelaide's local real estate show. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia Uno sta cercando te. Chiama l'82-123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. Hello, we're back with Susanna Bluewall, the founder and director of Bipolar Australia. And in the last session, Susanna was sharing uh, some of the struggles she had when she was first diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Oh, actually, she wasn't even diagnosed with bipolar disorder yet when she was first struggling with bipolar disorder. The last point she made before we had to go to a commercial was she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and then given drugs to treat that issue. And of course, it was the wrong issue. So who knows that would have done to you? Obviously, it wouldn't help. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, definitely, I, I didn't think that helped at all because schizophrenia needs to balance the neurotransmitter called the dopamine. And it is located in a completely different place in our brain. So definitely, it was not doing any good to me. And many, many years later, in 1997, when I was treated at the hospital here in Australia, I talked to a psychiatrist. Well, he came and talked to us. When I said, but I was badly diagnosed in this state, 
And instantly he said, was 1980 by any chance? And I said, it was exactly 1980. Well, what happened was in the United States, they compare notes with UK and Canada. They realized they have three times the amount of people with schizophrenia than the other two. So they thought something is wrong here. Well, what it was wrong is that they never consider that people with bipolar can reach the state of psychosis. Mm. So every person that had psychosis instantly had schizophrenia. Oh, okay. That was the thing. Well, anyways, so without knowing what I finally had, I landed in Argentina for a year. I was terribly treated because back then doctors didn't know what to do. I probably had lithium that the only thing that helped me was to, to put 25 kilos on. Wow. Recent, yeah, I was horrified. By the way, I don't know if people know, but I'm very, very proud of who discovered lithium to treat the mania of bipolar. That was an Australian doctor, Dr. Kate, in Melbourne, not supported by anyone, he actually discovered lithium. There is a magnificent book you can read, I Know the Author, and I think it's a must for people that really want to know the whole story of how it was discovered. It's a fantastic, there is a movie as well, and if you just put Dr. Cade, C-A-D-E, you will find all those resources. But anyway, the cocktail I took for nine or ten months didn't work at all. And I became a zombie. My mother was testing me, saying, can you go across the road to get me something? And I said, no, I'm scared. I cannot go across the road. So imagine someone that went on a plane, so very happy, 10 months later, couldn't even cross the road. So finally, my ex-pediatrician, friend of the family, took all the medications that he could. But unfortunately, he left me in a very weak antidepressant that, unfortunately, I have to say, took me to a, a suicide attempt. And I'm so happy I'm here to tell you because, as I said to everybody, we don't want to take the life. Really, what, what, what we want is to take the pain mm. of the depression, oh. right? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a powerful point. So, yeah, we talked in the beginning about that between 10 and 20 people with bipolar disorder are between 10 and 20 times more likely to commit suicide than the general public. And it's not that they don't want to live. It's just they, they need to end that pain so bad. And I just want to repeat what you said because that's so important. Let's just make clear for the audience here what bipolar disorder is. I talked a little bit about in the beginning my understanding, but your understanding is infinitely greater. So can you uh, explain to us what it is both in the technical terms and also just living with it in the feeling terms, what it actually is, both types, mm -hmm. type one sure. and type two? You're, 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 which type do you have, first of all? One. That's what I thought. Okay, type I one. didn't want to make any judge. Sure. Well, you see, sometimes it's common for people to think, well, it's a mood swing. You go up and down. Everybody could have a day like they're very happy, extremely happy because something happened for them. And the next day they could be very sad because they woke up and they found something that made them sad. Well, but they are emotions. You go up, you go down. For bipolar, is very different. Because it's an imbalance in the brain, exactly in the front lobe of the brain, where the neurotransmitters, which is what we need for the neurons to connect and pass messages, the noradrenaline and especially the serotonin, they don't work well. So they don't pass the messages to the head of the neurons properly. So that's why the different symptoms we live. With bipolar, you can divide it into, as you said, the two types, but I will start with type one. Type one can be described as having different states, as if um, we say we are from a very balanced state, 
you could look just a little bit up and call it hypomania. You get very excited and you think you're the center of the world. You start talking nonstop and jumping from one subject to another, don't connect it. Don't sleep more than two hours a day, which will be the first question the doctor will ask you, how is your sleep? To the point that if you get, if you do not get treatment, you could reach, like I did, a psychotic episode, right? Can I interject one second? Sure. Because what you, what you just said about only sleeping two hours a night, uh, one thing that I would really like to stress to the audience is, is that bipolar people are some of our best and brightest. I mean, think about it. If you only sleep two or three hours a night, and it's in recent studies have shown that 75% of the bipolar genes are also the genes associated with high intelligence. So you're smart. And you've got more time to do stuff because the candle is burning so bright. But the problem is the candle – This is and this is my layman's term, so correct me if I'm totally off base. But the way I look at it is the candle is burning so bright that it just burns out and then there's this crash because your body can only go so long on two hours of sleep, hyperactive – not hyperactive in the term hyperactive, but just this, this super speed of life and accomplishing things and doing and stuff and then you crash because your body can't handle it and then comes the depression is that is that yes and and, and these are all and these are and these are our best and brightest because they burn really bright and then they crash and then they burn bright again then they crash and then they and of course that's not just it's horrible for the individual but as far as accomplishment goes it's probably good for for them for accomplishment in society but but overall it's just uh, horrible yes yes that was horrible when it was not treatment available, oh, right? Yeah. But also, I want to say that not necessarily having uh, bipolar, not necessarily having bipolar makes you a genius. No, no, but but, and that, but no, you're above I average, usually. Do, but I feel that many people feel less, because, well, I'm not a genius, but mm. I have to put up with bipolar. Yeah, that would be really And I don't yeah. think that it's a good way of comparing ourselves. Each of us do the best of the best we can mm. within our capability, and uh -huh. that is being a genius. Uh. If you know what I mean. I think it was Einstein. Uh, that's, I, think I think Einstein said that. Uh, everyone's a genius, but if you judge, and I'm probably butch, I'm sure I'm butchering this, but he said something to the effect of, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's not a genius, <laughs> you know? So, exactly. I mean, you, you've got to, uh, I've got to look up the exact quote, but that's it in a nutshell, paraphrased. So, exactly. yeah, no, that's, that's a great exactly point. what I yeah. wanted. Yeah. yeah, and what, what bipolar does, and the mania does, is to make your skills grandiose. If you are a musician, right, like Hayden, for instance, the one that you you play in um, well, um, Christmas, has you, uh, it's a concert for hours and hours, in about two or three days in one room without stop. So that shows that, yes, it is what you were saying. He probably slept two hours and then continue and continue and continue. Before the uh, lithium existed, the, the certificates of death read exhaustion. Really? Okay. That was the reason. Yep. So, so the whole yep. idea of burnout, basically. So, yeah, I was a little confused when you were telling your story about how you believed that the president was waiting for you and there was going to be a press conference and, and you were sure this guy was going to marry you and, and all this. So, because I thought, gosh, what's the difference between, I was confused again because, because that sounded more schizophrenic to me. But so what, so what can happen is if it's untreated, it can, it can it can go so much further into psychosis. That's but usually that doesn't exactly. happen if it's treated correctly. Is if that correct? Treated at the time, no, you don't get there. Okay. My second big episode when I finally was diagnosed with a condition, I did not reach psychosis. Okay. What tell us about that, please? What happened and I was in, what it was like. Uh, yeah. Well, I couldn't choose really because that's when one day after. 20 years 
living what I thought a normal life here in Australia. I established two long day centers because my studies were early childhood and I had the pleasure of working and doing that. I had two beautiful children until one day I woke up thinking that I had the flu and that was my last day of working for a long time. I did not have the flu. I went and I curled in a fetal position on the stairs of my house and when my husband came from taking the children to, to school, he found me there without responding to absolutely not one stimuli, no one. Wow. And, and, and there was, was no talking. warning that there was anything coming? It just, boom, one day, out of the blue? Absolutely no warning. Wow. No warning. The only thing that I can say was that prior to that, I was stressed at work. Wow. And that probably what, or almost definitely was the thing that exacerbated my condition. Wow. And that started the symptoms. Well, what we call it trigger. A trigger. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to have to take a quick break, come back with the rest of that story after a few words from our sponsors. Yo. Ciao. Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone. Delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar stone, unique stone. Granito, marmo, Caesar stone, unique stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 82662280. Unique stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. O'Brien Electrical Adelaide, your local electrical electrician. Service and responsiveness for locally owned and operated businesses, their priority. 263 Sturt Street in the city, right alongside of Radio Italia Uno. Give them a call and speak with their friendly staff. Their number 1300-051-482. Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Radio Italia Uno, sito internet www.italiauno.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram. Radio Italia Uno You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're back with Susanna Bluewall, the director and founder of Bipolar Australia. In the last session, we talked about the fact that 75% of the genes associated with bipolar disorder are also linked to intelligence. And Susanna made the great point, similar to the famous Einstein quote, where Einstein said that if you judge a fish by its ability to swim, it will live its whole life believing it's stupid. And the point Einstein was making is everybody's a genius in their own way. So, and she made that point uh, and corrected me very well on that one. So in the time we have left, if, if we can, Susanna, just quickly, if we could talk about the difference between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. We talked about bipolar 1, but give us a little bit about bipolar 2. Yes. Uh, the person that has bipolar 2 will not have very severe mania, nor very severe depression. They will be closer to being balanced but they will go up to a what is called hypomania and then to a depression, but not severe depression. So that is the, the big difference. And sometimes it could be that they change even the mood from one day to another. There are also some seasonal changes, etc. So it's very difficult also to, to treat it. Okay. So as far as 
somebody, if you know yourself or somebody else that you think, oh gosh, maybe they're, they could be have bipolar disorder. What are the warning signs you would be looking for in yourself or, or someone else that might make you think, Hey, we should go to the doc. You should go to the doctor. Sure. If you notice that the person that you live with or you're close to, well, initially stop sleeping the normal hours, usually two or three, that is a sign, definitely a sign. If the person starts with a very rapid talking, rapid thinking that they cannot stop, and hopefully will not start going on a buying things that you definitely don't need, right? A friend of mine, a Went home with a boat at the back of the house, never done boating anyway. So on the other half, on the other side, if you notice that a person lost interest in everything that they usually are interested, they don't talk to friends, they don't call anyone, they don't want to go out. And that usually needs to be like for about two weeks, then definitely you need to ask for help. Okay. So what you do is go to uh, your doctor, explain the situation, and hopefully the doctor will send you to a specialist, a psychiatrist. And what the psychiatrists do, usually they ask you a lot of questions, but what they are actually doing is they're looking for the symptoms. Because after all, all these mental health illnesses are a bunch of symptoms and then we don't want to put labels, but we need to put a name so we know we, what we're talking about. Okay. So you mentioned on your the second the second major big episode that you had in your life was after you'd been married a while and you were at the bottom of the stills, curled up in the fetal position, and and what was different in that? And and, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. You had a little bit of trigger because you had some stress at work, but there were no huge red flag warning signs. What was a little bit different about that situation that you had to deal with than your previous challenge? The situation was that immediately my husband took me to my doctor and my doctor identified the the seriousness of the situation and I went directly to a clinic. And I was there for nine months. It was a quite difficult situation. Nowadays, you don't go for that long to be treated. But because I was not reacting to medication, they have decided to start giving me electroconvulsive treatment. And please don't call it the shock treatment because it shocks people and unfortunately they are scared to take it. Nowadays, I'm scared, I'm scared just to listen to you talk about it personally. Yes, I know. And so they don't consider it as a way of getting well. But I have to say that that saved my life. And I have heard some psychiatrists saying that if that happened to them ever, they would go straight to an electroconvulsive therapy or treatment, ECT for sure. Anyway, I started to have every second day the, the treatment and I was getting much better to the point that my sixth one, I call my lucky one, it sent me straight to the moon. So I became very many and that I call it lucky because a doctor must see in the patient one manic episode to diagnose bipolar. So that's when my doctor came to me in a very positive way, telling me, Susanna, you're a lucky person. I look at him like saying, like what? But anyway, he said, I can diagnose you. I'm sure you have bipolar type one. Unfortunately, I cannot cure it yet, but we will treat it. We can manage it and you will recover. And I can tell you that it took me quite a while to really realize what he was telling me, but it's so true that I am so lucky that I persist and persist with my treatment. Well, yeah, that's amazing. What help is available now? Because I'm sure 
things have progressed and, and, and education and so on and so forth there. I mean that people today have it a little bit easier than you might, as far as it can be diagnosed easier and there's more data and more studies to help people better medications. Like you said, what help is available? Where do they get it? And after you talk about that, if you could talk a little bit about what help may be available for the carers of the people that are afflicted with bipolar disorder or the loved ones. Okay. Uh, what people think, uh, or sometimes they get discouraged, is that the doctors take quite a long time to diagnose the condition. Unfortunately, we do not have a blood test for it, but the doctor must see symptoms. So once a doctor has came with a diagnosis, then of course they will start the medication. But once you are you you get your balance, never you never ever stop that medication unless you have a side effect that is unbearable or bad to your system, right? So then definitely you go back to your doctor and explain what you have. But never stop your medication just by yourself, always with the doctor. And slowly you will find that self-management, which is being now recognized and in Canada together with the doctors from here, they've done a research to all the people that became well and they asked them what have they done to become well. So most of them, they actually agree in following what the doctor said trusting the doctor and taking the medication, getting some psychological help, doing some exercises, eating well. So all those things come together and it's something that the person needs to take also the responsibility. It's not a matter of care, it's constantly remind, take your medication and, and so on. And another responsibility is to talk when you're not feeling well, especially mm. if you have some suicidal thoughts. Mm. Of course, if you're depressed, you don't want to talk. So that's a real challenge. Well, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, but we'll be right back. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364-9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hi, and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're back here with Susanna Bluewall founder and director of Bipolar Australia. And I just want to emphasize one point that you made uh, in the last session right at the end that seems so important to me. I know that in the United States, and I think this is the case in Australia to probably even a larger extent, is a lot of our homelessness, a lot of the homeless people are people that have mental illness that have stopped their medications. There are a lot of great social programs in Australia that help people out if they're having financial difficulties, but that doesn't really help you if you're suffering from something like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or, or, or something to that effect. And these people end up homeless and then they end up self-medicating with drugs and, and alcohol and and it all happened because they stopped taking their medications and, and they didn't take care of themselves. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? or? Well, I know, for instance, that the Commonwealth government, sorry, the um, federal government, through Centrelink 
and Medicare gives every person that has this condition what is called the disability pension. Through this pension, uh, the person uh, receives medication for very, very much uh, cheaper than price because uh, this uh, around $6 the medication. And, of course, they have all other um, uh, pensioner benefits. And they receive an amount of money to live, like the, if they were with Centrelink, right? So um, I would say that if uh, those people go and talk to someone to help them apply for this pension, because sometimes it's difficult because there are lots of papers to to fill in and it, it becomes so overwhelming that you need help, right? Yes. Some, sometimes people in the same office, some, sometimes people in libraries, councils, they help people to fill in. So that is one way. Definitely stopping the medication is not the way to go because not only that you will go back to zero, but sometimes the same medications that they were working may not work again. Oh, no. And, yes, so I discussed that with my psychiatrist, and that's what she explained to me. Wow, I didn't know that. What the very, yes, and uh, and it's, a, it's an extreme risk that you take by stopping medication. Wow. Okay, um, well, yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, I understand that can be. I I don't like filling. I find government forms overwhelming myself, and I, and I I can't imagine having deep depression or bipolar disorder or something to have to fill out a stack of paperwork. So, yeah, definitely get help. So, in the we just have a couple minutes left. So, can you talk about the tools that are out there to help people that support that maybe the support network for people with bipolar disorder? Sure, uh, please. For the carers and families, friends, workmates, get as much information as possible. That is so important because then you will speak the same language with your loved ones. And that's why we put together a booklet which is called Coming Home with Bipolar, Information for Families and Carers. You can read it for free online on our website. Or you can download it for $10 or within Australia, you can get a copy for 15 Also, I am very keen for all those people that do not, I am very keen that everybody in Australia gets information. And if it's not your, the language that you speak, please use an interpreter. You can also get information from our website where you get the information in 70 different languages from the Transcultural Mental Health Association. And particularly in South Australia, someone is in crisis and you don't know what to do, you call the um, South Australia Mental Health Triage Service on 13 14 65. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much, Susanna, for being with us today. We really appreciate everything you've taught us and, and, and some of the myths you've dispelled about bipolar disorder and also the ways that people affected by it can have some support and a ray of hope and they can all live the kind of life they deserve. If you'd like to learn more, please check out Susanna's website, Bipolar Australia. .org.au. Again, bipolaraustralia.org.au. Join us next week at 6 p.m. on Monday. As always, I will leave you with a short motivational story. We've been talking a lot recently about people who have succeeded despite mental health issues. People like Abraham Lincoln, Dr. Martin Luther King, Isaac Newton, and Winston Churchill. Today, I'd like to talk about some of the excuses we all tell ourselves that hold us back from reaching our potential and realizing our dreams. We all do this, so it's worth talking and thinking about. Some of us say we're too old. Well, Colonel Sanders was 73 years old when he finally became a millionaire. George Bernard Shaw was 94 years old when he wrote an award-winning play. 
Benjamin Franklin was 81 years old when he helped write the Constitution of the United States of America. Some people say I'm too young. Yahudui Menuhin was only 10 years old when he first played solo at Carnegie Hall. You think your toddler has a lot of energy? Well, Brent Vogel was only four years old when he ran and completed his very first marathon. Some people say, I'm not smart enough. Well, Isaac Newton flunked grade five. Tom Cruise and Whippy Goldberg both have learning disabilities. Five-star General Douglas MacArthur, commander of all Allied forces in the Pacific in World War II and the Korean War, was denied acceptance to West Point Military Academy twice before he got in. Gregor Mendel, the father of modern-day genetics, failed biology. Abraham Lincoln couldn't get into law school. Louis Pasteur, who discovered the principles of vaccinations that have saved millions upon millions of lives, that discovered microbial fermentation and, of course, developed pasteurization, graduated in the bottom third of his class. The great sculptor Rodin was failed admittance into art school three times. Leo Tolstoy, the author of War and Peace, flunked out of college. Some of us say, I'm too poor. Well, 75% of the world's leaders were born to poverty. Some people say, I just don't have the natural ability. Well, this guy lost his legs in a plane crash, but in 1939 was returned to full flight status with Britain's RAF during World War II and came an ace and shot down 22 enemy planes. His name was Douglas Bader. James Earl Jones had a stutter. John Milton was blind when he wrote the great poem Paradise Lost. Wayne Gretzky, the greatest ice hockey player in history, was told when he joined the NHL, he's 50 pounds too small and he's too slow. Michael Jordan was cut off his high school basketball team. So as always, we come to the conclusion that there are two kinds of people. One that will make excuses like, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm not smart enough, I'm too poor, oh, woe is me, I don't have the natural ability, and on and on and on and on. And the other that will make the decision to succeed regardless of the obstacle, regardless of the situation, and succeed sometimes beyond even their wildest expectations. The question is, as always, which one are you?